Hi everyone and welcome to NBTV. You are watching CryptoBeat where we bring you all of the biggest crypto news from the week. We keep you updated on what's going on in the crypto sphere and we make sure that you guys have all the right tools for your self-sovereign financial journey, teaching you all of the things that you need to know for entering this wonderful uh, world. We're going to dive straight into it. Some big stories to get into, including Peter Thiel ripping up hundreds of dollars. So we'll dive into that. And before we go through all, all these topics you see on screen, don't forget we do do a quiz show throughout the show. Keep an eye on the bottom. You'll see some quiz questions come up. And, uh, and when they come up, make sure that you add your answers to the chat. Let's get started. Peter Thiel, this one was a hilarious uh, story. So apparently at a conference that is going on right now in Miami, Peter Thiel spoke a keynote address to a crowd of Bitcoiners where he called Warren Buffett a sociopathic grandpa. He called Bitcoin enemy number one. And he also included on the list of being Bitcoin enemy number one, JP Morgan Chase, CEO J um, Jamie Diamond, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. And he said that they're running a gerontocracy against cryptocurrency. <laughs> so uh, some big words there from uh, from Peter Thiel. He's never one to mince words. Uh, he also ripped up several hundred dollar bills. And then when a bunch of people from the crowd reached for them, he said, would the gentleman in the front row like to have the money? And he crumpled up the bills. He tossed the word uh, to the front row. And then he said, I thought you guys were supposed to be Bitcoin maximalists when they went and reached for it. I thought that was a hilarious little zing there. I think that often you have uh, people at these conferences who are like, yeah, I'm all about Bitcoin. This is the only thing that matters. And then someone gives a hundred dollar bill. They're like, fiat, this is the greatest. And they're also the group that tends to uh, be the one that, to not spend their money as well. So it takes me on to this tweet from BitBoy um, where he said it was a fun little jab, which I enjoyed. Uh, he said that there were conflicting messages during the conference and he uh, went through them in this tweet. He said, Michael Saylor's up there on stage saying like, never sell your Bitcoin and the crowd goes wild. Then Jack Marlers gets up on stage and said, here's a great way to spend your Bitcoin and the crowd goes wild. Like, does no one see the disconnect here? So I thought that was a pretty uh, great tweet from BitBoy. So I thought that was a fun little jibe there, which kind of sums up the a lot of the kind of crypto zeitgeist of the moment. But Peter Thiel had some other interesting takeaways in his speech. He talked about how uh, optimistic he continues to be about the takeover of crypto. Uh, thank you, Stanley, for your nice uh, compliment in the chat there. I appreciate that. Uh, he Peter Thiel said uh, Bitcoin would increase a hundredfold from today's price. And it goes on. I, I want to dive into this. So we've got an article here from Gizmodo. The reason I chose Gizmodo as the article is kind of an ironic reason. Uh, it's not because they summed up these events from Teal the Best. It's actually because they summed it up the worst. They have an ongoing gripe with Peter Teal, obvious one. Uh, but their article really missed the point about Teal's speech. So they mentioned that Thiel offered his thoughts on why crypto was lacking mainstream adoption. And Peter Thiel's response was, well, the lack of mainstream application is the result of the utter failure, intentional ignorance and desperate maneuvering of the world's banks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can understand that. And he had this quote, they said, Bitcoin is the most honest market in the world, it's the most efficient market, Thiel said. It is telling us that the central banks are bankrupt and that we are at the end of the fiat money 
regime. He said, I think central bankers, uh, Mr. Powell, people like that, should be extremely grateful to Bitcoin because it's the last warning they're going to get. They've chosen to ignore it and they will have to pay the consequences for that in the years ahead. I mean, all of this makes sense to crypto people, right? We look at something like this and we say, like people are flocking to crypto because they want an alternative monetary system. Gizmodo actually poked fun at all these rationales, being like, you know, Peter Thiel missed the point. And I'm like, whoa, these are two very different narratives about crypto. Kind of gives me a reality check of how a lot of mainstream people view this stuff. Um, so Gizmodo basically said, well, obviously crypto isn't that useful. There are no forces conspiring against it. But if we just look at monetary policy right now, the people that the fact that people are flocking to an alternative money, that should be a wake up call to people like Powell, to people like who are at the Federal Reserve, who are just printing extreme amounts of money. People obviously want an alternative to this traditional uh, financial system. So you know, this should be a wake up call. But apparently Gizmodo is still asleep. They missed that entire point and just would prefer to take jabs at, at Teal. Okay, we'll we'll let them uh, have that. I thought that that was a pretty fun part of this Bitcoin 2022 conference that has been written about. And uh, Peter Thiel is always incredibly entertaining in that regard. So I'll go on to the next topic here. Uh, strike partners with Shopify. Whoa, that's some big news there. So apparently CEO Jack Marlis, this was another announcement that took place at the conference. He unveiled a huge amount of high-powered partnerships that he dove into. Um, these included partnerships with Bitcoin's Lightning Network and included an integration with the e-commerce giant Spotify, which is kind of cool. So is, the idea is that Strike would partner with Spotify's global network of merchants. Merchants could choose to opt in if they wanted to. This would allow for payments across the Bitcoin Lightning network. I'm always in favor of more ways to spend crypto. I think that getting out of the traditional financial system as soon as possible is great. I don't want a financial system that's controlled by elite uh, people who don't have a regard for the fact that all the value in my savings account is going down by currently 7.9% a year if you trust official inflation numbers. So I'm all for opting out of that. Let's migrate everything over to these crypto financial systems. I'd be interested to see uh, if anyone in the chat is spending their crypto on things uh or if you don't want to out yourself for obvious reasons you could just say that you know you know of people who are spending their crypto i'd be very interested to hear that uh someone just hashtag free russ yeah um so Another thing that he talked about, he said that Strike has partnered with NCR. Now, NCR is the world's largest point of sale supplier. Uh, and he also said they partnered with, with a payments firm, Black Hawk, right? So interesting partnerships that he's diving into there. If they're partnering with a point of sale supplier, that's going to make it infinitely easier for people to spend their money in different stores. Because currently the biggest barrier that I'm seeing is I'll go into places and they'll be integrated with Toast or something and I'll say, well, do you want to accept crypto? And a lot of the pushback that I get is because they're like, well, how do we account for this crypto? I can't integrate it with Toast because Toast you know, blocks their system. It doesn't allow you to add other apps on the tablet. Like it gets complicated. So we don't want two different tablets. How do we do that? So the fact that they're integrating this into the largest point of sale supplier is really interesting development. So uh, I'm... Uh, 
Yeah, I'm very interested to see where that goes. Here's a quote from him. He said, if we can help Bitcoin net make the Bitcoin network more accessible and usable, we believe we can change the world. Leveraging Bitcoin as a cheap payment method is critical to that, he said. And he contrasted it with the caviar-eating history of Boomer Bank-issued credit cards that he said hasn't innovated uh, beyond onboarding middleman for their fees in years. So some pretty strong words there from Jack Marler. I'm interested to see what happens with these partnerships. Uh, he also said this is about America and we need to protect our ability to innovate. But I, I don't know why people keep being like <laughs> with their own country. This is about America. It's like, yeah, sure, I love America, but I also love, you know, all these other countries, every other country in the world and the people in it. Like this is about freedom that where there are no barriers to entry, it's not for one particular nationality, it's for everyone. So I love that, that it's universal and everyone can benefit from it. So I'm excited to see more people getting access to that. He also mentioned he's been working with Cynthia Lummis, which is really cool. He said, I've been working with policymakers to ensure we have the right to build freely in this country. So I do like that he's focusing on legislation in this country. US has been really bad when it comes to crypto and making sure that we foster innovation rather than pushing it offshore. So much innovation has gone offshore. I mean, just look at ETFs, for example. We still don't have a spot ETF that has been approved, which is crazy. I think Canada has like three or something. So there we go. Uh, so Stanley says, no spending here. Not many have crypto in Denmark. Well, you could change that. Ask your local store to accept it. You guys can be the force of change you want to see in the world. So some words of encouragement there. I want to now talk about Shopify, another interesting partnership that is taking place. So apparently, uh, da, 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 da. Oh, wait, no, no. This is the, the same article. Sorry, there were two articles there. Next one is Robinhood. So they have just opened up their crypto wallet for 2 million users. Now, I have been very vocal about not promoting Robinhood as a good place to get started in crypto. It's because they've had this walled garden where basically you can buy crypto in their app. You can't actually send it off to anyone. You can't spend it. You can't do anything with it. All you can do is buy it sits there until you want to sell it. So I'm not an advocate of that walled garden system. I like to see people be able to actually use their crypto. Uh, it may be good for getting people's feet wet. Robinhood is an incredibly popular app. So if that kind of introduces people to this concept, that's cool, but it's not that useful. Um, now they do now have a crypto wallet. It's been in beta and a few people have been able to access it where they have been able to actually send their assets off Robinhood. They just opened this up to uh, 2 million more users, people in eligible areas. The no-go zones, obviously, Nevada, New York, and Hawaii that have bad crypto regulation. But apart from that, everywhere else in America, you are now, uh, should now have access uh, to this crypto wallet. So this should make digital asset transfers broadly possible for a bunch more people. Hooray! We like to see developers like that. So only a handful of the um, beta users could have moved uh, Bitcoin, Ether, Dogecoin, handful of other traded coins off the app. Uh, and it's opened it up a bunch more. So on the control, uh, sorry, on the frequently asked pages, questions page, it said corporate wallets control customers' private keys. Uh, this is another thing that they offer, which is like this corporate wallet model. It said that uh, those who want to be their own bank can move their digital assets elsewhere. I fully support them integrating this. I like that they're encouraging this. And it's great to see such a giant company encouraging this as well. You know, um, I, I like to see that they're actually promoting this like, concept of be your own bank, definitely in line with the crypto ethos and uh, going to get some thumbs up from the crypto community, them using language like that. So 
Uh, apparently, there are nearly 10 million Robinhood users who swapped coins early last year. One of the apps crypto, uh, uh, in one sign of the apps crypto appeal. This is according to a, a CoinDesk article. And now Robinhood's almost three-year-old creating uh, crypto trading functionality has produced an explosion of revenue. Now, CoinDesk reported that last quarter they generated 48 million dollars for the publicly traded firm. So they're making bank. By adding crypto, it's no wonder that they are trying to appeal to uh, crypto sentiments as well. Some of the limitations of this. So there is some functionality that's missing. For example, it can't plug into Ethereum-based services like in the same way that MetaMask does. It still can't accept ERC-20 tokens or NFTs or any out asset outside of Robinhood's trading list. So be really careful of things like that. Also, if there are tokens generated by airdrops and forks, don't be sending those to your Robinhood wallet. If you have an NFT, don't send it to Robinhood. You're going to lose it. It's going to be unrecoverable. So be really careful. Make sure you're reading the fine print with their added functionality because it's not the functionality that you'd come to expect from something like MetaMask. Um, staking also appears to be off limits. And uh, just, yeah, just be aware of all of that. I still wouldn't recommend Robinhood as the place where you kind of get involved. There are better services out there even for beginners uh but i have we have lots of videos like that on our channel one good thing is uh users won't be charged for moving their robin hood based crypto into wallets uh that have such abilities but obviously they'll have to pay the gas fees but there won't be any additional fees on top of that there's also a five thousand dollar daily cap on outbound transfers and newly acquired crypto stays put until the transaction settles this is according to their web page and there's all kinds of kyc identity checks make sure you enable two-factor i think that they actually enforce that on their app now so make sure you're doing that just to safeguard your stuff and there you go let's move on to janet yellen I love talking about Yellen, that delightful, delightful, um, uh, um, what, what's that word for a politician who just kind of hops from like department to department? Anyway, we're just going to dive into what she says lately. She is now the US uh, Treasury Secretary, obviously former Fed chair. She gave her first speech on digital assets on Thursday. And it was interesting. So she called crypto transformative. She talked about how regulation should be based on risks and activities, not specific technologies. And she said, wherever possible, regulation should be tech neutral. These all seem like really great words. So I commend her for talking about this being tech neutral. I commend her for her saying that regulation should be based on risks, not technologies. We see too often politicians default on like, let's have specific regulation for this specific technology that, you know, it's like, well, just how about you just target the risks, you target the, the things that matter, not the technology. So um, that's kind of where my enthusiasm ends. A lot of the crypto space was very enthusiastic about all of this because of this rhetoric. I don't know. I'm so skeptical of rhetoric like this you just see it all the time right <laughs> you see you see people be like oh well she didn't outright ban it yay that's a win i think we should be calling for better we shouldn't be accepting things just because she didn't outright ban it so here is the issue that i have with this here's a quote from her she said, some proponents speak as if the technology is so radically and beneficially transformative that the government should step back completely and let innovation take its course. On the other hand, skeptics see limited, if any, value in this technology and associated products and advocate that the government take on a much more restrictive approach. 
This was a quote from her. It is the age-old position of regulators, right? So you're given two opposing viewpoints and the correct answer must lie somewhere in the middle of these. I implore you not to fall into this trap of presuming that when someone gives you two alternatives, that both of them are equally valid. I, I do not think they are. And in this case, I definitely don't think they are. So she's presenting like more regulation, overhanded regulation and let innovation flourish. Therefore, you know, we must find some place down the middle. I, I throw that out completely. Um, here's another statement she made that illustrates my point further. She said, our regulatory framework should be designed to support responsible innovation while managing risks, especially those could that could disrupt the financial system and economy. So here's the question to you. How do you simultaneously foster a technology that was designed to disrupt the financial system while making sure that it doesn't disrupt the financial system. You can't foster something that you're at the same time simultaneously trying to make sure doesn't happen, right? So they use all this rhetoric. They make it seem like they're being very reasonable. It's contradictory in my point of view. They can't walk that line. And I don't even think that it's valuable that government get involved with the regulation. And before you guys are all like, oh my God, we need rule and order. Why, what is she talking about? Let me go further, right? Crypto was specifically created to give people a choice. If they want regulated things, they have the traditional financial sector. They have the government's hands all over that sector, all over the banking industry. Look where that's gotten us. It's gotten us monetary policy with inflation that's out of control, one that favors incumbents, one that favors you know, certain people in the community at the expense of others. It redistributes wealth uh, directly out of the savings accounts of the most vulnerable people in the country and then injects it straight into wall street so i i do not want like if if, if government getting involved is going to make it look more like that financial system i don't want that you know the whole purpose of crypto was to have an alternative to this system right if they want that system fine be, participate in that system don't try to make crypto like that system right Crypto is an alternative system. It lies outside of the reach of politicians' control. It is one that's radically transparent. And so it doesn't need some of the, you know, same intervention from regulators. And it's one that enables financial freedom. We should be very careful when we encourage politicians who try to force this thing back into uh, traditional frameworks. So I wanted to actually go to a man who's far more eloquent than I am to illustrate this point further. This is from an interview I did with Ron Paul years ago where we're talking about how years into the future, you know, all the way to 2022, there's going to come this crypto battle. We're going to have this fight with regulators. So here is what he told me when I asked him about this coming fight with regulators. How do governments react from this? And they, they don't just fade away. Uh, they become more vicious at times. Don't be too anxious to concede any of your desires and demands and your principles to the government and say in the, the government, well, we, yeah, we think we need a little bit of government guidance to make sure that we're legal and this sort of thing. Don't, don't, don't concede. I don't like to think about, uh, you know, a, a little bit of government regulation is what we need. I don't, I don't believe that. What we need is a lot more freedom. What we need is a lot more freedom said by the man himself. So his point is, you know, we're going to come this come this time when government just comes in a little bit. It's like, well, let's just give a little bit of oversight, sort of what Yellen's talking about here. Let's just give a little bit, make sure everything's legal and all that. And he's saying, resist. Do not concede. Once they you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. This is going to end up the same thing that we created crypto to get away from. So just be really careful when you invite that sort of you know, compromise 
on there. So uh, the fine thing that I want to go on to is the question, you know, which crypto narrative is winning? At the top of the show, we talked about this idea that we've got people right now saying like, oh, never spend your crypto. And everyone goes crazy. It's like, yeah. And then on the other side of things, you have people saying like, I, we've enabled a way for you to spend your crypto. And everyone's like, yeah, this is great. I put up a poll and I asked which crypto narrative is winning. And 64, almost 65% of people said that the never spend your crypto narrative is winning. And 35% of people said the only use crypto narrative is winning. I, I agree that the never spend your crypto narrative is winning, but I will say that over the last couple of years, I have seen a huge increase in the narrative around spending crypto, actually using it day to day as peer to peer cash, actually opting out of the traditional financial system. The big issue that I have with the never spend your crypto narrative is that people simultaneously say that and also say, I'm taking back control of my finances. I'm taking my money and put it in Bitcoin and I'm holding that to reserve its value to get away from the traditional finance. And then they have that money and put it straight back into the traditional financial system in order to spend it. Or they keep their money in the traditional financial system that they purport to loathe in order to spend their money. It's like we have so many tools that will actually allow you to opt out entirely and just spend crypto. And it's crazy to me that the narrative of never spend crypto still persists when there are so many options out there that allow you to completely opt out of this existing financial infrastructure. Just food for thought there. I'm not saying you need to jump all into crypto. I'm just saying it's a little bit contradictory, um, maybe a little bit hypocritical, some fighting words there, of people who are saying that, you know, they they think Bitcoin is so valuable that they're never going to spend it, they're only going to keep it. It's like, well, if this other thing is so valuable, why are you involved with this fiat thing at all? Why aren't you just all into this thing that's so valuable, right? Especially when there are tools that allow you to just use it every day. So either, you know, like choose your narrative, either you're saying like, well, I'm hedging and I'm in both and that's fine. Um, or say like, I'm only ever holding this because it's great and that means you should all be in that system so like you just figure out your contradictions make sure you're looking honestly at, at the rhetoric that you're using um i do want to say desert links hit the nail on the head in his response here he said the never use it is getting the more noise but the other narrative is winning practically people are using crypto more and more every day uh desert links joel valenzuela is uh his real name you should check out his channel. He has a, a channel called Digital Cash Network, and he talks about, gives people tips for using crypto every day. So if you want to learn more about that, he's a great person, a uh, great resource for you. Another uh, tweet here, Cypher RK said, every revolution passes through three steps, ridiculous, dangerous, evident. All truth goes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed, then it's violently opposed, and finally, it's accepted as evidence, Arthur Schumpenhauser. So really great words there. I, I think that, I think, we're winning here because I think, well, actually, I think we've already won. We have an alternative system that we can use. And I'm just really grateful for that and, uh, and really thankful that we have those alternatives. The final thing, I want to go over these quiz questions and announce our winner who gets eternal glory. I like it when people participate in these quiz questions. It helps me to see like where people are. We actually, this was an interesting quiz. We got people with like differing points of view. Uh, so the first one, what is a common misconception about Bitcoin? It is C, 
that transactions are anonymous. Uh, a lot of people miss that. They think that when they're using crypto because it's not tied to their identity necessarily, uh, that it's completely anonymous. It's actually pseudonymous. And that link between your pseudonymous identity and your real world identity is very tenuous and easily broken. Keep that in mind if you're using something like, like Bitcoin. There are privacy coins out there that will protect your privacy more and worthwhile looking into if you value that. Next one, what is Bitcoin Cash? It is peer-to-peer -peer cash forked from Bitcoin. Uh, definitely not created by Vitalik Buterin or a USD-backed stablecoin. Final one is what are gas fees? And this is something that Ethereum uses pay to perform functions on the blockchain. So thank you to everyone for participating, but it is time to announce our winner. I'm going to drum roll and Sam's going to come on. And our winner today, achieving eternal crypto beat glory, is YouTube viewer Bullish Vision. Bullish Vision, congratulations. Yay, Bullish Vision. Sam, can you tell me some absolutely not made up facts that are absolutely, definitely, for sure true that we didn't just uh, come up with on the spot? Rock solid Yes, ma'am. I can do that yeah, for you. absolutely. Fun facts about Bullish Vision. The soothing sound of trickling rivers is something that they absolutely adore. They do. They, they do. They love wearing comfortable moccasins. Mm-hmm. And as would a amazingly dedicated CryptoBeat viewer, mm -hmm. they love investing in the future of money. Don't we all? Congratulations, Bullish Vision. You win eternal glory. How does it feel? Just like capture that, you know, hold that inside of you and take that with you as you journey through life. You will always have eternal uh, crypto break grow because it's eternal. Everyone, that is the end of our show today. You can tune in every four, uh, every Friday at 4 p.m. for our Crypto Beat show and every Thursday at 4 p.m. for our Privacy Beat show. We love having you guys here. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button before you leave. Smash the like button. It really helps us get viewed on YouTube. We'll catch you guys later. Have a great weekend. Bye.